Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Good morning, church fam. How are we doing today? All right. Well, I got thrown off there. We're a little bit late because... Some awesome family members and relatives showed up in the house today, including one of my favorite people in the world, my Uncle Robert. I've just got to shout him out over here. So for many of you who kind of know our story, it's pretty awesome. My, My parents, when they got saved, I often talk about my Aunt Gloria and how she got saved and kind of helped steer my mom in the right direction. Well, my Aunt Gloria is married to my Uncle Robert, and they got saved and kind of started the whole chain reaction of, uh, this whole church, Jesus, Christianity, going the right direction. So can we just shout out him and our family, my cousins. So we started a, this series called Church Fam a few, a few weeks ago. It's been helping you out, hasn't it? And what we've been talking about is, is how do we become the very thing that God talks about when he says church is a family. Uh, when we think church, it, it means different things to different people. Some people think an organization. Some people think something traditional. Some people think a denomination. But when we look in Scripture, when we look in the New Testament, we see that God was doing something very beautiful and diverse with a whole bunch of different people, putting them all together, and he starts calling them family, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's a big deal, to have that kind of label and then have to figure out, okay, well, how do we make sense of this? How, how do we live this thing out? I mean, that's nice on, a Hallmark, on the Hallmark card, but, but how do we really live out our faith as church family? How does this church become a church where we're doing all the things in Scripture that we see Jesus and obviously the Apostle Paul throughout the New Testament encouraging us to do, which is to love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, stand with one another, all, all these things. How do we do that? Well, it gives us a lot of clarity. And we've been handing out the last couple of weeks these cards where we're asking people to hashtag church fam and tag the church on this card where you talk about when it is that you felt like church family. And people are writing their stories when they, they first felt at Grace Avenue like they were church family. And as we were writing those down and people were writing those down, it made me think about as I grew up when I first felt like church family. And I, and I did a little bit of thinking, but I, I had to go back a few years, uh, a couple of decades But it was when I was about 14 years old, I remember my my parents were always going to church, and I remember I was always there every Sunday, every Thursday, every Wednesday, I was just always around. I remember one particular Sunday, I went out and I started helping some guys in the parking lot who were parking cars. And these guys were all in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, it was a team of guys, and I I, I started helping them, and they, they gave me a cool vest, it was neon, and they gave me one of those things that looks like airplanes or, you know, flagging airplanes down. So I thought, okay, well, this is a cool job. I can do this at church. So I started doing that, and I started just kind of uh, enjoying that whole day. So here's the, here's the thing. The next week I came back, and as I came up to that same team that I had served with the week before, they all saw me and from a distance shouted me out and said, hey, he's here. Come on over here, man. And they just made me feel. And I remember that's when something clicked that I belonged and, and, I, and I thought, man, that was really unique that, that I would remember that because it was like 300 centuries ago. But just the fact that I remembered it and wh- how I remember how I felt. I remember feeling like included. And I, I can give you the word that I felt. It's the word I've been talking about for the last few weeks in this series. I felt like I belonged. 
they did not make me feel like a stranger walking up onto their team. It was not a bunch of older guys going, oh, here's the kid. Oh, here's the 14-year-old. Hey, don't mess anything up, kid. It was very much a belonging and an inclusion where they brought me in. Here's two things that I really gathered from that. The first thing is they had a capacity to give. And secondly, I had a capacity to receive, which I think is huge when it comes to being church family because we have to have a capacity to give to others and help them feel like they're growing in Christ. Some people have been saved for 30 years. That they know, they know a lot of the Bible. They know a lot of scripture. They know a lot about church. They know, you know, they've got a history of, of decades of people understanding what it means to walk in faith and grow through hard times. You know, like my aunt and uncle, they've, they've raised four boys and, and the lives, you know, all their lives and marriages and kids and grandkids. I mean, they know what it's like to walk for decades with the Lord. And then there's those who just got saved last month. And so we have to have a capacity to give to people, and at the same time, we also have to be people who have the capacity to receive. To receive the embrace and the love that people are trying to welcome us in under that banner of love, under that banner of Jesus. Because if not, then we're insecure and start saying things like, well, I don't really think I fit in here. Uh, the music's not really kind of like what I'm, what I'm used to. Or this isn't really like my, my old church. It's not about any of that. <laughs> It's, it's about each of us. I said this the last few weeks. I said this in the first part, that belonging has to do with these three things. We belong to God, we belong to each other, and we belong to a cause greater than our own ambitions. And if we don't get that right, then what happens is we try to belong to things, something or someone, and that's where our equilibrium gets off. I think that's when our rhythm gets off. We start putting our hope into something rather than in Jesus. We start putting our hope into someone or something that we're trying to achieve rather than him and his cause and his purpose. And belonging, really, when you think about it, the foundation of belonging to really belong to something or someone really just means that you have the heart of a servant. That's really what belonging is because belonging to God means you've come under who God is for your life and you now rest in his grace you belong to him so you serve him when we belong to each other through good times and through bad through difficult times we serve one another that's the foundation of, of why we we belong right I, I i'm in john's life because i serve john john's in my life because john serves me john serves one another we serve others we serve each other see the, the foundation of belonging is not it's not about my feelings. It's whether or not I'm willing to serve someone. And this is what rattles people's cages because serving means humbling yourself. Serving means it's no longer about you. Serving means it really isn't about what you feel. It's about what you're ready to give, ready to offer someone else. We belong to God. We belong to each other. And we belong to a cause greater than our own ambitions. You know, the greatest things that have come in my life that, into my life that are now blessings in my life, have come from belonging, right? I look at my relationship with God, started when I was 21. My life was a mess, absolutely shattered, broken, and actually, his Uncle Robert's son, Mark, was going to Bible college, and I was just a mess, and I went and visited him went to that dorm room, was praying that God would do something. I was pretty much done with life, done with life as I knew it. 
and it, it came to the point where that next day I, I met a friend of his who ended up praying with me and leading me to the Lord. And that began the journey. That, that, that began the journey for me having an encounter with Jesus where my life changed. I left the two jobs I was working in Austin. I left who I was hanging around in Austin, went back home, started my life completely over. And at 21, how many know when you're 21 and you start all over, you feel like you're 72 years old? But at 21, you feel like, oh my God, I'm starting my whole life over. And that's where I was in my mindset. I was starting over. I felt like, my God, like a 21 whole years of my life starting over. And I did start over. And because I belonged for 20 years now, there's fruit that's come from that decision to belong. And part of that belonging meant God had to till the soil and, and the things in my heart and the things in my life that I didn't know were there. So I thought, great, you get saved. Stop doing bad things, start doing good things, right? No. <laughs> That's what we think. That's not what it is. God says, I'm adopting you into my family. I'm going to teach you what it's like to be a son. When he teaches us to be a son, he starts pulling things out of us that aren't representative of him. He starts cutting things out of us that, that, that we were so comfortable with before, but now we don't feel connected to those things anymore. Relationships don't feel the same. Sin doesn't feel the same. Used to feel awesome. Amazing. Not anymore. There's a guilt that comes with it. There's a shame that comes with it because I'm not living to my full potential. I'm not living according to my purpose. There's something in me and it's not clicking. It's because I'm worshiping or living for something or someone else rather than for God, for each other, and for a cause greater than my own ambition. The greatest blessing in my life when it comes to my relationship with God has come because of I belonged. I've just chosen to belong. Another blessing in my life is, is my marriage, obviously. And, but the, just the blessing of, of marriage has what it brings through highs and the lows and the ups and the downs of life and the troubles and the stuff you're prepared for, the stuff you never saw coming. Just, just hanging on through those seasons. Like the last few summers. Just, just what Janelle and I have learned. Just the last couple of summers alone. Man. The blessing that has come from that in our marriage. What we're able to handle, what we're able to deal with. There's a blessing that comes when you belong. The blessing of friendships in my life, the seasons of life, the, the leadership team that we have here at Grace Avenue. The staff, the team, the leaders that have come because they've chosen to belong. It didn't just happen overnight. It took time for people to grow into what it means to belong. And you know what I figured out about belonging is, is that I think it takes a good three to five years for you to really get comfortable somewhere. You're laughing. I don't know why, but it must be funny. It takes a good three to five years to belong, to get comfortable. Because like even if I've known, I was saying this earlier, even if I've, I've known Chris for about a year and I'm, I'm working side by side with Chris every single Sunday, serving together, hanging out together, going to lunch together. At the end of the day, after one year, we've only been through one Christmas together. We've only been around one Christmas, one Easter, one summer. And in the span of your life, when you look back and you think about all the time that goes by, you haven't really belonged very long to someone when you've only known them a year. But for us, a year is like an ancient history. It's like dial-up internet, you know? 
like, oh my God, this is taking forever to connect, right? Because there's this, this belonging means waiting. Belonging means seeing what happens. Belonging means facing the unknown. It means facing unknown and not having answers and having question marks and just knowing that by faith, God is in control. By faith, God is leading this thing. I don't get the whole picture, but somehow God is leading this. This, this are some, these are some of the fears that keep people from belonging. Over the years as I've watched this, that, that fear of the unknown, all the question marks. You know, when Jesus called the disciples, he didn't call them and say, okay, now I want to talk to you about my great plan for your life. It's going to start off with you following me. It's going to end with a 401k plan and a retirement in the Bahamas. Right? He didn't line out all kinds of incentives and buy-in opportunities and promises. He just said, follow me. Think back to when you gave your life to Jesus and that was the only thing that mattered. Just him saying, follow me, was all that mattered. Nothing else. What anybody said, what anybody thought, what anybody thinks about you, just meant I'm following Jesus. You're crazy, man. I know. I'm following Jesus. You're going to church like every Sunday? Yeah, every Sunday. No, like every Sunday? Yeah, like every Sunday. Like all three services? You're serving in those services? Yeah, yeah, you're playing music in all three services. But dude, that's like six hours of your week. That's an eternity. It, it didn't make sense to people to belong to Jesus. And that's why a lot of people just, they never get the fruit of what it's like. See, for anything to, to grow, it has to have roots. A beautiful tree was once an acorn. It started somewhere. It had to be planted. It had to take root in the soil. Our lives have to take root in commitment. In the soil of what God's doing, God has to cultivate that soil, and then we have to grow through it against the storms, the wind, the heat beating down on it, all the stuff that comes, but we have to learn how to grow through those things. But that takes belonging, and that's what freaks us out. Another thing that freaks us out when it comes to belonging is commitment. Because commitment means signing on the dotted line. <laughs> it means that's it. It means you, you sign up for the car, and in 45 days, the payments are yours. The payments are all yours, baby. Enjoy that. Oh, that new car smell, yeah? Enjoy that payment in 45 days. Because you committed. You lock down. You, you sign your name on the line. Same with, same with a house. Same with an apartment. Same with, with a loan. All, all these things. Commitment is a big deal. But that, that's what brings roots. Belonging is what many people are afraid of. Here's why they can't. People, many people can't commit. They're afraid of commitment because it's not like what they've had before. It's not what they're used to. And then that unknown creeps in again. And we won't commit. It's like a cycle. I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm not going to commit. I'm not going to commit because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm not going to commit. I'm not going to commit because I don't know what's going to happen. And back and forth we go, never belonging, never belonging to the family of God, never belonging to Jesus, never belonging to his purpose. Kind of like, oh, that guy inspired me. Oh, man, two in the morning. I was tired and drunk, and I heard that amazing clip. This guy inspired me. Oh, that was great. Oh, yeah, and we're just grabbing these little pieces of things from people and inspiring quotes because they're feeding our mind, but God's trying to feed our spirit. Because God's not just trying to feed what we're feeling. He's trying to feed where he's taking us. And it takes more in our lives of belonging to him than just feeling. 
It takes roots. It takes commitment. Are we okay this morning? I do have points in scriptures, so. Here's, here's what I wanted to go today. That to, to belong to a church family, we have to understand that every single person has value. We're belonging for a, pur- a purpose. Every single person in here today has value. Obviously, we know we have value because of what Jesus has done for us. But let's think about our value individually. And every seat here is giftedness and uniqueness and specifics that God has created, that God has shaped. So every person has value, not only to God, but also to this church and to its mission. So so let's settle that. Number one, everyone has a gift to build the church. Everyone has a gift to build the church. I'll read this, 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. I'll say that again, as each person, not as holy people have received a gift, or amazing people, or upfront people, or really talented people, or people who can sing, or play an instrument, or people who can speak, or people who are really good at business, or they've received gifts. No, it says, every saved person has been given a gift by God. And we're supposed to use it for what? To serve one another. It means there's something going on in your life, and the gift that I have serves your life. And there's something going in my life down the road, and your gift serves and builds my life. This is how we stay church family. This is how we keep church from becoming the typical American consumer mindset. What's in it for me? What am I getting out of this? Do I like it? Maybe I'll be back. Maybe I won't. No roots. No commitment. Feed me. Fill me. Fill me. Not really going to give much out. And then we wonder why we're empty. Because the gift was meant to be given. The gift was given so that you would give it. You were given the gift to give the gift. You weren't given the gift to say, I'm so amazing with my gift. God, I'm so awesome. I just want to talk about my gift. My precious. I just want to give my gift. Isn't that what we're like? Isn't that what we're like? My gift. Oh, my precious. When we're not giving our gift away, we're hoarding like Gollum. We're hoarding our gift, worshiping it, staying in the zone, in our little cave, pulled away from everybody, just talking about how important our gift is. And if everybody could see my gift, that gift is meant to be given. Look, Romans 12, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. In other words, there's a gift that you don't have on your life and that I don't have on my life because God says, I didn't give you a grace to handle that gift. Uh, My wife can get on the phone with someone who charged us the late fee and talk them down and get that late fee removed. Me, I am threatening their dead ancestors. I am telling you, I will not pay that 25 bucks. I will find you and take the shoes off your feet if you try. Like, my wife, just she's graced with the gift to do that. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Listen to this. We have different gifts according to God's grace. He gave me a grace to handle the gift that's on my life. And here's what he says. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. 
If your gift is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then encourage. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Going on to the next one. I don't know if I have this one up there, but I'm just going to read it. 1 Corinthians 12. Now, there are varieties of gifts. In other words, there's not just two gifts, singing and music, which is most people what they think it's, you know, church is about. Well, you either sing or you speak. I don't do either. Well, where do I fit in? Anybody ever thought like that before? I don't sing. I think I sing carpool karaoke with James Corden, but I don't really sing by myself. But I would never do that in church. But so you don't sing. You don't speak. So then you think, well, where's my value? Where's my place? Look, there are varieties of gifts, but they all come from the same spirit. It's the same dad in heaven who gave us these gifts. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given, to each, there it is again, to each one of us, not just to certain people in church, not just to certain people that you think are awesome in church, to each person, to, to the person on your left and your right, they've been given a gift. And it's given a manifestation of the Spirit for what? For the common good. For the common good. See, this is, this is where we get off like Gollum when we don't understand that our gift is for the common good. It's not just so we would be, oh, I'm chasing my dream. I'm chasing my purpose. I'm, well, man, go for that. But understand that your gift is for others. It's to serve one another. You following me? Um, here's the second point. Everyone has a part to play in church life. Everyone. Not just a few people. Everyone has a part to play in church life. And here is where I think people get stuck. Because everyone has a part to play in church life. Because God's talking about this as a body. And remember last week I explained a little bit more of this with Ephesians 4. Where God says in Ephesians 4 that, that each part does its work. And that that's how we all grow together. Here's the thing. This is where we get stuck when each part doesn't do its work. When... Only a few parts are doing their work. And some parts are not doing their work. Think about this. My, my wife, when she was in the hospital last year, her lungs weren't working. She couldn't breathe on her own. She had to have a breathing mask. Her kidneys were shut down. Her liver was shut down. We didn't know if she was going to live. And one by one, we had to wait for each thing to start working so the other things could work. And you're waiting on the body to function whole, as a whole body. But until this one thing starts working, nothing's going to change. The body's going to stay inadequate. It's going to stay sick. It's going to stay depleted. It's going to stay below its potential. This is, what was, this is what happens in church life. When, when people just sit and feed for years. I'm not dogging on anybody who's just new to church and, and, or maybe you've been coming and you don't know a lot about Grace Avenue. I'm, I'm talking about just my history of, of growing and watching people sit for 10 years and 15 years and, and 20 years. And it's like, man, how much can you take in before you, like, when, when are you filled? Before you'll help someone? Before you'll give a dime or your time? What, what is it going to take? When are you full? The all-you-can-eat buffet at church is closed. It's time to give something out. And, and this is how God says it. He says that each part does its work. We help each other. 
telling you that there's somebody that if they knew your story right now, if you just, if somebody knew your story, they could be set free from what they're walking through. If you'd share your story. You know, do you know how people really find their place in church life? You just say yes to opportunities. You used to play drums, right, Uncle Ron? Used to play drums. I just remember that as a kid. Uncle Ron's playing drums at service. He's playing drums in church. I just always remember that. Just my family being involved in different places, doing different things, allowing their gift to, to bless the rest of the body, the rest of the church. And, and, and it really isn't always about what you do. I would say, I'm not even sure I yet know what my gift is. Because I've done so many things through church life and in, in ministry that, I mean, I've just been serving since I was a little kid. In fifth grade, I used to put out the little paper cups and the animal crackers for the fifth graders. I thought I was so important telling these little kids what to do. <laughs> you kids are going to listen to me, all of you. <laughs> I said two cookies, not three. Put that back, right? <laughs> You're not in charge here, right? No, there, there, there was that, and then there was when I felt like I really got elevated when they, they put me in, in the worship service. And we use this thing called the overhead projector. Has anybody ever heard of one of these before? Yeah? Bob, you still have one for your television, right? That's what you use? So the overhead, oh, don't, he can handle it. Don't give him the, oh, we're friends. He, he can handle that. The overhead projector, for those of you who are not a billion years old like me, you would have... <laughs> A giant light that shoots through this screen shines up onto a mirror and shines that light onto a background. And then you would take this clear piece of plastic. And basically, you would, you know, like you guys go to Lyric Genius now. We would handwrite the lyrics. You have to know the lyrics, which is one thing, because you couldn't get them wrong. You'd have to handwrite the lyrics and then put that piece of plastic on that thing, and it would shine. Do y'all know what I'm talking about now? It would shine the lyrics on there. I felt so awesome doing that, man. I thought, none of these people can worship God without me. Look at this. <laughs> I am so important. My precious. I'm so, my gift. And then I felt like a fool one day when I realized that for half the song it had been upside down and nobody could read the lyrics and people were just looking at me waiting for me to get it right. You know, but th this, this, is, this was not something that I just said, oh, God has gifted me to run the overhead projector. I have found my gift in calling it. I, I just said yes to opportunities. I said yes to kids. I said yes to parking lot. I said yes to music. I said yes to preaching. I said yes to leading a connect group. I said yes to leading a team. And it just started with serving, just kept the heart of a servant. And you know, this is how my relationship with God grow because in those times, God brought people into my life on this team and in that team and in that environment. And this person would correct something in my life that I didn't even know I needed, correct, needed correcting. When, when I would say something or do something, they would, they would lovingly, as a friend, invest in my life and tell me something that where, where we need to raise it up another level. I wouldn't have got that if I was isolated by myself. I wouldn't have gotten that if I was just sitting in a chair never talking to anyone, hearing a message, processing information only, and leaving and hoping that it makes me feel just as good next week. 
I'm telling you, this is where people's spiritual life stalls out. They get saved, and then they sit instead of serve. And the wheels stop turning. God can do a lot with your availability more than he can with your timidity. He can do a lot more with your availability. Most of the people I see around here just said yes. Kayla, when we came into the theater, look, she married the love of her life right here. Uh, we didn't know when this guy was going to get married. He was a mess. Like, God, send this dude a good woman for Lord's He's just a mess. And then Kayla, and then Kayla came and saved the day for him. No, I'm, I'm not. Okay, honestly, Kayla just said yes. Now she's leading our C20 Young Adults group. She got saved about five years ago. God started doing some amazing things. Kayla hasn't been saved for 50 years. Doing ministry, knowing her calling. She just says yes to opportunities. Right, Judy's been serving with me for, for years. Anything and everything. She's done amazing things. Bob and Karen have done amazing things. I just look at all the people that I, I just see around here. So many, so many gifted people. And, and, and none of them I'm saying, okay, well, their, their unique specific gift is this. Yes, there is room for that, and we understand that. There's specific calling. But most of building the family of God is just saying yes. Just being available. We need greeters. We need ushers. We need someone to take the trash out. We need somebody to serve in kids. We need somebody to play music. We need somebody to help us with this. Somebody to set up chairs. Someone to tear down the chairs. Someone to set up tables for the lunch we're having. We have like 20 new members joining today that are, I'm going to have lunch with them right after, after, this, after this next service. Somebody's got to set that up. Somebody's got to clean that up. Someone's got to get the lunch. Like all of this is part of just people saying yes because they belong. People's lives are changing. Effectiveness is happening. Does this make sense to you? I'm out of time. Um, a couple more scriptures and we'll close here. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. In other words, God gave you what he gave you and he gave me what he gave me. And as he chose, that's how we set it up. That's how we set it up. I, I don't know why God made other people more awesome at something than me. And I don't know why we constantly have this desire to have someone else's gift, right? Why do preachers always want to sing and singers always want to preach? Right? Like, oh, why, why do people have one gift that's the complete opposite gift? They want that gift. But as God chose, he set us in a place to be a blessing to one another. 1 Peter 4.10. I'll just read this one more time. I read this earlier. As each, each one of us, that's you and me, has received a gift, we use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. There is a story I didn't tell in the first service. I want to tell it today. I want to tell in this service. Because I looked this guy up. I text my mom and I asked her, what? Bible and then put it on the shelf. She really wasn't interested. 
Seven years later, she opens that Bible, spends all night in Scripture, spends all night with the Lord, gives her heart to Jesus, and all the seeds that my own Lord had sown, all the, all the things God had been stirring. And then that Bible that the old man gave to her seven years before that was sitting on the shelf, she used that Bible to receive salvation. That man, check this out. I looked at that man up like that. I went and stalked this old man. I went to the find a grave memorial for this old man. He died 60 days before I was born. 60 days to the day before I was born. Do you realize that that man did something that nobody ever praised him for? Do you realize that Grace Avenue is the seed of his obedience to go and hand a Bible out? I wonder if he went that day knowing that what he was going to do What's going to impact? This is the second service. There'll be another one after this. Every service, somebody's the fruit of that man's obedience. He used his gift. He gave his gift. I wonder if his pastor asked him, I just need somebody to hand out Bibles when you do this. I'll do that. I wonder if we went home that day and said, man, I invited that lady to church. And she said, no. up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.